0: Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yow, yeah, show number 1389. This week on Cars Yow, yeah, we're celebrating the inaugural Chattanooga Motor Car Festival that takes place October 11th, 12th, and 13th at the Weston Hotel and Chattanooga's West Village. If you want to learn more or attend this great event, go to chattanoogamotorcar.com.
1: Give me the luxuries of life and I will gladly do without the necessities. <laughs> This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts.
0: Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Everyone who knows me knows I'm really picky when it comes to buying cars and keeping them looking new. In addition to Premier Plush and Berber custom floor mats, you'll also find cargo liners, canine cargo area liners, dash covers, and sunscreens. Enhance your vehicle's looks while protecting the factory finishes with easy to install and easy to clean floor mats. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at covercraft.com and tell them Market Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Hello automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest calling in from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Bill Rothermel. Bill, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready to go. All right. Bill Rothermel will serve as the master of ceremonies at the inaugural Chattanooga Motor Car Festival and the Las Vegas Concord Elegance. He's a member of the board of directors of the AACA Museum, Inc. and the Elegance, both in Hershey, Pennsylvania. He currently serves as master of ceremonies of numerous events. Get ready for this list: The Boca Raton Concord d'Elegance, The Elegance, The Concord of America, The Radnor Concord d'Elegance, The St. Michael's Concord d'Elegance, Elegance, The Hemming's Concord Eurofest, Greenville Spartanburg, and The Hilton Head Island Motoring Festival. My gosh, Bill, you're everywhere. Bill also serves as a judge at numerous Concord events around the country, and he's a freelance writer and his words have been featured in National and international publications, including auction catalogs. Whew, Bill, I have told our listeners just a little tiny bit about all the events you attend. Could you take a brief moment share a little bit more about this passion you have for automobiles?
1: Uh, yeah, I guess you could say I've been a lifelong car enthusiast. My mom used to tell stories that uh, when I was a kid, and when I say a kid age two and a half to three, something like that, she would push me in my stroller to the curb when the shoe factories in the town that I grew up in uh, would leave out at this three o'clock shift. And I lived and grew up in a very small blue collar town in Pennsylvania, and all those factories are long gone. But what happened at the time was uh, I, I, she would say that I would have an audience of 10 or 15 people on a daily basis who would stand around to hear me name the make and model of cars that drove by. Oh, my gosh. I could barely walk. And I never believed it to be true because my mom never drove a day in her life, and she knew nothing about cars. So, you know, it it may have sounded good to her to uh, tell the story, but I reconnected with a childhood friend that's roughly 10 years older than I am. He can, in fact, recount the day that I was born because my older sister ran down the street to his house and said, I have a baby brother. So he's known my entire life and he, so he would have been 10 years older than me at the time and said, Oh yeah, it definitely was true. I remember it. He said, you were a freak show. <laughs> so I have been literally a lifelong car enthusiast, but you know, I'm not sure I believe in reincarnation, but apparently I was. So, uh, uh, uh cool. you know, I've had the car gene my entire life.
0: Well, I'll tell you when I, I read your bio that you sent over and I always ask my guests for a short bio so I can do a proper introduction. Oh my gosh. I, I didn't know how to edit it down a little because there's so many events you're involved in. I went, how can this guy do all this stuff and be in so many places? You absolutely blow me away. But you know, it's great because I love having people who are diehard car enthusiasts on the show. That's what Car Yeah is all about. And the fact that you donate And provide so much of your time to all these events, I think is fantastic. Well, as we continue on your journey here, Bill, I always start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra, some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So Bill, take the wheel.
1: Well, that's actually funny because one, is not quotable and uh, for (laughs) obvious reasons because this is a family show. But let's yes. <laughs> just say it was uh, said by um, said in uh, risky business, and it uh, is sometimes you just gotta say and fill in the blank. And yep. the other one is uh, a Frank Lloyd Wright quote who said, "Give me the luxuries of life, and I will gladly do without the necessities." So I think that kind of sums up my life pretty well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> risky business and Frank Lloyd Wright. Now that's a very Very interesting combination. My father was an architect and educated me on Frank Lloyd Wright. He, of course, uh, like so many architects, loved what he did. And I visited some of his homes. And I could kind of see that working with Frank Lloyd Wright. Risky business. I think there was a car involved in that. Uh, There was a Porsche. There was a Porsche 928. And that great quote, who's the U-boat captain? After he uh, (laughs) sunk sunk his dad's 928 into the water. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Well, I think this is pretty cool. Uh, fantastic. I love that. Uh, interesting two quotes. Thanks for keeping it clean here on Cars. Yeah, for those listeners out there that enjoy that. I've got one in particular I'm going to shout out to Chris. He always catches my guests if they let one slip through. So we didn't let that happen today, Chris. Would you uh, share a story with me, Bill, that uh, instigated your passion for cars? Is there a pivotal moment in your life other than sitting in that stroller at two or three that you knew you were indeed going to be a car guy?
1: Um, not really, but I would say if there was uh uh maybe uh when your commentary about all the events that I'm involved in, how and how I really got started and that was by dumb luck. Because I happened to have been, this would be back in nineteen ninety six, I had uh my girlfriend and I had just gotten back from Pebble Beach and my real life job is that I'm a real estate broker and I got a call to go look at a building That was a historical building in southeastern Lancaster County, which is really not my territory. But the building intrigued me, and I said yes to the guy and went on the appointment. And he took me for a tour through the building. And it was really not the kind of real estate that I do. It was a commercial building, and I do predominantly residential. But I was very intrigued by the building. And as we went back to his office, having gone through the building, He had a picture of a cord and a Rolls-Royce on the wall. And I commented on on the uh, pictures, and I had on a Monterey Historic's polo shirt. And he said something to me about my shirt, and I said something to him about the cars on the wall, and somewhat stupidly said, well, are you familiar with Pebble Beach? And he said, "Uh, yeah, both those cars on the wall were displayed there. And I said, okay. So one thing led to another, and the gentleman's name was Jeff Broderick. And Jeff said he was the chief judge at the Byrne Foundation Concord, which was known as the uh, Concord d'Elegance of the Eastern United States, which was, gosh, going back 30-plus years ago, and it's no longer in existence. And he said, well, gee, we need guys your age to be judges. Would you be willing to be a judge? And I said, no. And he said, no, I'm serious. I really would like you to do that. And I said, well, I think I'd be in over my head. And it's really not. He said, no, no, I really think you should do it. You would be a great addition to the group. And one thing led to another. And I, after talking to my girlfriend about it, she said, I think you're out of your mind if you don't agree to do this. Mm -hmm. So I did. And I remember being incredibly intimidated at the first event that I went to there at the Byrne Foundation. And I was paired up judging a Rolls-Royce class, and the Master of Ceremonies at the Byrne Foundation was Beverly Ray Kimes, who was perhaps the you know utmost automotive historian on the planet. I was introduced to her and I thought I met automotive royalty and couldn't believe that I was meeting her. And that was 1996. And by 2002, the, um, Concours featured BMW. I joined the car selection committee and I continued to be a judge each year and was more intimately involved with the event. And by 2002, they had a, uh, a BMW was featured as a, uh, was the featured mark. She didn't want to do the parade. They paraded every car that was on the show field. So it was a 150 car parade, whether the car won something or not. And she would just tell stories about every car that would go by, and I would just be mesmerized by what she had to say, as was the audience. And so in 2002, again, BMW was the featured mark. Bev did not like post-war cars, and she didn't want to do the parade. And the executive director said, well, Bill drives the BMW. He should be the one to do the parade and i'm thinking okay so anyway i did the description of all the bmw's that were provided by bmw north america that were in the parade and she was very complimentary to me and in 2003 we featured corvette i believe for the anniversary and something else and but i did the corvette parade because she did not like corvettes and then in 2004 and 2000 well by 2005 I was doing half the parade because she was very tired. She was, she had had a kidney transplant and would tire out very, very early. And so it ended up by 2007, she became very ill. And I flew solo from that point on. And she taught me how to properly manage a parade, proper, properly tell a story, and properly how to command an audience. And I thank her for that. And that's yeah, how it that wow. started. So she's really the one that's responsible for that. Wow. That's awesome. That was a Thank long you. answer to a question. Sorry. Well,
0: you know, I was going to say, be careful what you say yes to. You never know where it might lead. Uh, it could lead to uh, a life around cars and car events like Bill has here. Great story. I think it's fantastic. Nice mentor, too. Fantastic mentor. Well, I would love to ask you about a challenge or a failure you faced. i asked all my guests this question, not to drum up some bad past, but more about how you handled it, what you learned from it, and how you moved forward out of it. So walk us through a story in your life and tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum in your career, in your business, and your life.
1: Well, every day of my life is a challenge. I mean, I I, I think that's called life, right? (laughs) Yeah, I'm a real estate broker. And I people ask me what I do for a living. And I say, well, I'm a highly paid babysitter that puts out fires and talks people off the ledge. And that's essentially what I do all day long. So my day is is failures and successes, hopefully, Mm -hmm. more successes than failures. But you know, sometimes you can't Fix people's problems, or they don't want you to fix their problem. You know, I guess I'm just used to that because of my career. I don't think there was any particularly seminal moment. I just would say that's my life on a daily basis.
0: Well, let me ask you this, and I've heard this before. I worked uh, for years, 11, 12 years in the advertising business, and a majority of my clients, were real estate people, commercial real estate people. He did a lot of brochures and catalogs and promotions for real estate people. And to me, I look back uh, in awe of them many times because they all seemed super successful to me. They wore great suits, drove nice cars, but boy, what a volatile industry. We all know what happens when the economy goes down, real estate stops. You got to be ready for that. And There's always somebody interested in a piece of real estate, but like a car until they get out their checkbook and write a check. I don't know if they're really interested or not. They're just bending time. Very true. Let me ask you. Yeah. Let me ask you this for people that go through any kind of career where they have ups and down challenges and maybe say you're in sales and you get eight, nine doors slammed in your face before you get one open. Uh, what's the, what are some of the ways or maybe just one of the ways that you handle that, the negative side of what you do so that the positives keep you there? I vent. (laughs) And how do you vent?
1: (laughs) This is a family show.
0: (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) I mean, I I
1: literally, I mean, some people (laughs) bottle up their emotions inside them. And I think at the stage I am in my life and career, I generally vent, have no trouble expressing myself. And I do believe that Bob Lutz is correct. The customer is not always right. and. You sometimes Probably the hardest part of my job is telling people what they don't want to hear. I don't get to tell people all day long what exactly what they want to hear. I spend my day saying to them, you should do this because or you shouldn't do this because of whatever the reason or reasons might be. And many times, that's not what they want to hear. And, uh, you know, I, I meet with clients all the time. And I, I when I meet with them, I say, OK, there's two ways to approach this. I can tell you everything you want to hear. So you hire me on the spot or I can tell you everything you don't want to hear, but need to hear. And then you think about it and hire me a couple of days later <laughs> or hire me a second go round. Generally, I would say that tends to be correct.
0: Sure. Well, you're telling the truth. And that's the important thing, especially when it comes to a big, big uh, investment like real estate. Oh, I love that. I love rant. So, you listeners out there, you having a tough day? Go outside and scream a little bit, or do whatever you got <laughs> to do to get it out. Exactly. You'll feel a lot exactly. better. And you say, and when you're done, you can say, "Thanks, Bill. I do feel better."
1: There you go. And then send a check to my address.
0: Oh yeah, okay. We'll make sure we put a contact for <laughs> Bill on his car's yeah show notes page, his therapy account, so you can send him a check to get you through that. Well, let's have a little bit of fun, as if we're not already having a little bit of fun, and talk about your first really special vehicle, that first car in your life that had great meaning for you. Now, this could be your first car, could be the first collector car, the first road car you bought that had great meaning. And tell us uh, about a memory you have have about that ride. Now,
1: you're going to laugh once again, (laughs) but I've owned probably 60 cars maybe in my life. That might be an exaggeration. 50 cars maybe in my life, something like that. And cars are like houses to me. I don't get attached to them. I'm ready for the next one um, well that's okay. I get rid of I get rid of a car and i'm i although as I've gotten older, I get less excited about getting a new car. I don't buy used cars I don't buy vintage cars I don't own antique cars, so I like to get in and push the button, make it start, and make it go like hell and that's what is appealing to me. So I'm kind of the antithesis of most people in the car hobby and that I don't own vintage cars, nor do I have any desire to do so.
0: What are you doing here then?
1: Well, I live vicariously through my friends.
0: There you go. Yes. You're a smart guy. You have a lot more money in your pocket then.
1: (laughs) Well, and the reality is I'm type A. I'm moderately OCD. I uh, have limited patience. I do not have the mechanical gene, so why would I aggravate myself with an old car?
0: (laughs) There you go. You just hang around a lot of old cars. Yeah. I I mean, I love the
1: history. I love the aesthetics. I like the social life that comes with being involved in the car hobby and all the friends that I've made as a result of it. And in all honesty, it would probably not really bother me. I mean, I enjoy driving old cars, but if I would not drive another one, it probably wouldn't break my
0: heart. <laughs> I love your honesty. And that goes back to your comments about how you run your business. You might be telling us what we don't want to hear, but it's just the way it is. Yeah. Uh, I think. But I fantastic. love old cars. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why not? You know, I think that's cool. And I tell a lot of people, they say, well, why would I go to a fancy Concours? I can't afford any of those. Well, just to enjoy the cars, or better yet, to enjoy the people, because the people right. are what make the events really, really that's Very well said, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this next question then is rather useless, and that's the sellers remorse story. If you have a sellers remorse, I do story do have in your one. life. What? Oh, okay. I have That'll throw me. I
1: breath. have one car that I'm sorry I sold. I had a second generation E36 M3 convertible, and it's the one that got away. And I think I should have not sold the car. Great. I had a three. I had it three years and. Uh, I was ready for the next BMW convertible, and it just is a car today. I wish I would still have it. was uh, It was a color called astral Blue, which is a kind of an electric blue color. And the car had a blue convertible top and a light silver gray leather interior. And it was a five speed, of course, at that time, not a six speed, a five speed. It just was a just a fantastic car. It just was. It was everything that's right about the BMWs of that era and everything that's wrong with today's BMWs. It just it just drove beautifully. It had incredible road feel. The car was really tossable, was powerful, and it was very, very stylish. I mean it just had lots of eyeball. So that's yeah. the one that got away.
0: Well, I'm smiling because I had two of those cars. Uh I had the coupes, not the convertibles, uh, but I love those cars and that's the car that really got me onto the track, got me involved in track and driving days with the BMW Club. It got me into vintage racing because I decided, okay, instead of thrashing my street car, I'm going to go get a race car and do that. I love that. And, uh followed those two E36 M3s up with two E46 M3s. Still have the last one I bought, my 05. Love that car. Great car. Um, so uh, I understand why you have a big smile and a nice memory about that E36. They're absolutely fantastic, and that blue is a great color, too, so yeah, I remember that as well. Yeah, so nice. that's the one
1: that got away.
0: There you go. There you go. Why well, you keep surprising me, Bill. Let's talk a little bit about a couple current events that you're going to be attending here. Now, I've been dedicating this entire week to the Chattanooga Motor Car Festival. I started off with uh, Jim Pace, a co-founder. I had Do- Dorsey Schrader on the show this week, Mike Tilson, Mark uh, Gillis. And now you, and I want to talk a little bit about this event because they, they're they going to bring you in, to, uh, into the event to be Master of Ceremonies. And then we'll also talk a little bit about another new event, the Las Vegas Concourse. So let's start with Chattanooga Motor Car Festival. Are there some things you're looking forward to seeing at this new event?
1: Uh, well, I think it's very interesting that they're going to do this street event on Friday with Time Trial yeah. because it's my understanding that they're closing down. The downtown, and they've somehow negotiated that with the city fathers, which is really pretty unbelievable. Uh, yeah. I'm embarrassed to say I've never been to Chattanooga in my entire life, but I have clients who live here in Lancaster but also have a home in Chattanooga and just rave what a, over what a great place Chattanooga is and how much they love it. So I've kind of almost depended upon them to tell me what to expect. And they have set my expectations rather high. My involvement is predominantly, uh, not, not predominantly, exclusively as Master of Ceremonies for the Concord on Saturday. So I'm the, I guess for lack of a better choice of words, I'm the color commentator relative to the awards ceremony and the presentation of what takes place at uh, the Saturday Concour.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's going to be fantastic. I'll encourage you listeners, if you haven't heard the other guests this week, each guest this week here on Cars, yeah, has been involved or is involved with the Chattanooga Motor Car Festival. It's a really unique event in many, many ways. I love the fact that they're having that street event where cars will be at speed up and down the streets. And it kind of reminds me a little bit about this next event I'll be promoting next week, the Las Vegas Concours, another inaugural. Uh Stuart Sobeck, who's been on the show before, uh, will be back to talk about that event, but they're gonna shut down the Las Vegas Strip and drive cars. Now, how did you, how did they pull that off? I have no idea. Somebody pulled some strings there, but you're, you've been invited to be master of ceremonies for that event as well, correct?
1: That is correct. And it is a virtual duplicate of Chattanooga in that my involvement will be to preside over. The concour and the award ceremony at at the Saturday concour, yes. yes. So I'm looking yeah. forward to that as well. And Stewart's quite an interesting guy. Oh, uh, he man has a lot of enthusiasm.
0: Oh, <laughs> everybody, everybody I've talked to said Stewart is great. So I'll encourage you, uh, listeners, to go check out the chattanoogamotorcar dot com. That's their website for the Motorcar Festival, and Concord dot com for the Las Vegas concour. takes place. In a couple of weeks, so uh, these are some masterful events. I think you're going to love them. Of course, Bill's going to be there, uh, presiding over the Concord events, having a lot of fun. So, Bill, up next is the last lap before we put the pedal to the metal. Let's say thank you to today's cars, yeah, sponsors. When you want proven performance, there's one brand that's been around since 1938. That's Edelbrock, building the finest American-made performance products for the street. And track edelbrock's products are designed and dyno proven to deliver maximum results edelbrock has thousands of made in the usa performance products for all makes and models from their new avs2 carburetor and innovative pro flow 4 efi for your muscle car or truck to superchargers for your daily driver and more visit edelbrock.com to check out the latest products for your ride and when you're ready to check out enter cars yeah in the coupon code and get 10 percent off your order That's At All right, Bill, we are back, and I have a bit of an introspective question. I'm going to kind of get into your head a little bit here. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a vehicle parked in the garage, not what you want to be, but how you perceive yourself as a vehicle, what would you be and why?
1: <laughs> That's a really good question, because I'm going to answer that not in the way you asked it, because... Okay. <laughs> I, also, I, I love cars from the classic era, so predominantly cars from 1925 to 1948. I love coach-built cars. I like cars that were built in limited production numbers, one-off cars, you know, cars that just have incredibly interesting and unique history. So I often, people say, well, what would you have driven if you were somebody from, you know, from that era? And I'm sure I would have had an Auburn. Because the Auburn was really kind of the BMW of its era and in so many respects. And it was more of a driver's car. You could get a V12 and, you know, the least expensive car in America that sold a V12. So I would have had something like that because it was, I I like cars that are um, technically very interesting and sophisticated. I don't consider myself technically very interesting. And as I get older, my sophistication is going down the, going down the drain. But I would say, you know, something like that. I would, I love uh, Chrysler Imperials from 1931 to 1933. I think they're probably, even though I would call myself a Packard guy, I think they're the most stylistic cars of that era. I find them quite elegant and quite beautiful in almost every form they were built. So, you know, I, I uh, sophisticated, elegant, sporty, unique. Someone might argue that I don't fit that description. <laughs> that's why it a- answers your question in somewhat of a roundabout way.
0: Well, that's okay. Uh, that, that question gets answered in a lot of very unique ways. So uh, I'm happy to hear that. It gives us a little bit of a taste of what you like. Well, we are entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some quick blips of that auburn throttle. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Mm.
1: Well, I guess perhaps that that I've given myself, know your limitations. My girlfriend gave me a gift in 1994 of BMW Skip Barber Driving School, and I thought, this is easy. I own one of these. And I went to the class, and it was the most horrific two days of my life because I realized what an incompetent driver I was. And uh I, I got very good advice in terms of bad habits relative to driving. So to this day, to this day, how many years later? Two hands on the steering wheel at nine and three. I plant my feet. I have saved a car on more than one occasion driving aggressively in wet weather. And the rear end starts to go out on you. I remember the advice, don't look at what you're going to hit. Look at where you're going. And that has reappeared in my head almost instantly. And I've saved the car. So I would say that was probably the stuff I learned at BMW Skip Barber in 1994 is perhaps the best automotive advice I've ever had. Because it was all, relatively speaking, it was safety-oriented and made me realize The capabilities of an automobile and how really incapable I was.
0: Well, you're very humble to say that, and I think it's a great comment. I think anybody at any level would uh, benefit from going to a driving school. I've been to a bunch of them, both racing schools, driving schools, wet schools, skid pad schools, all those different things, and always learn something. uh, Always something that becomes valuable later on. And I think back, oh wow, that just came back in my head. That saved me. Thank goodness for that. So yeah, if you haven't attended a driving school. Go out there and, and have some fun. It's a humbling experience. Yeah, even the ones they have with track days with your street car, really, really good thing. And if you've got teenagers in your lives, send them to a safety driving school.
1: I could not agree more.
0: Yeah, it'll save them many, many times. And if you're into bikes, same thing. I learned a lot of things while riding motorcycles in motorcycle school. How about a personal habit of yours that you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? Other than ranting, perhaps.
1: Um, I, I leave my desk, my desk every day clear for the next morning. I take work home and finish it so that when I come in the next day, my desk is clear. I start clear because if I don't do it today, it'll just be there tomorrow when I, to start my day. And I, and invariably my day does not go as planned and then I'm already behind the eight ball. So I clear my desk and finish my work before I start the next day.
0: Awesome. How about a resource? Is there one you'd like to share with our listeners that you really enjoy?
1: An, auto, an automotive resource.
0: Well, this could be anything really—a website, an app that you use a lot on your phones. It could be a supplier. It could be even a person in your life.
1: Uh, well, I don't. I'm not a techie. I mean, I live on a computer and a phone because I have to, but I don't enjoy it. And my, I guess my—it's not really a resource. Perhaps it's more of a bit of advice: is put your phone down. You know, we we become so glued to them that it's it's it mentally is, you know, it it just it's insane, and we forget to live, live life around us. I, I I if there's a resource, something that makes me laugh, like there's a there's a uh, a page on Facebook called Malays Motors.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm a part just, of that group.
1: <laughs> it, yeah, it just makes me laugh. That was being was around when I drove I drove cars and grew up. So I grew up around that stuff. And now how awful it was in so many ways, it's now become somewhat interesting and humorous. And if you've been to a Radwood or something like that and see what it's all about, you know, people go crazy for that horrible stuff with crushed velour seats and opera windows and hood (laughs) on and paint and. I mean, they just go nuts over it when they see it because there's so little of it around. And so I guess I don't know that I'd say that's an inspiration, but I do enjoy that.
0: Fine Corinthian leather. You got it. And so Ricardo Montalban. Yes.
1: And there's a great well, There's a great one. Look up the interview of Ricardo Montalban on YouTube with Johnny Carson. And it is absolutely hysterical.
0: Yes. Yeah, and ha- cause
1: Corinthian leather was made up. Oh, and yeah. he goes on telling the story and and just has Carson, you know, just laughing hysterically. It's a really great moment on television.
0: It is. Uh, Brian Davis, who founded that Facebook page, Malaise, yeah. uh-huh. uh, has been a guest here on the show. So, uh, yeah, it's fun. I have some fun. And whenever I see one of those, in fact, I was just down in Southern California and took some pictures of some Malaise cars I saw, uh, sent those off to the website there. So, uh, yeah, join that Facebook group. You'll have some fun and a chuckle for sure. Uh, kind of reminds me of the 24 Hour of Lemons uh, and yeah. the, that those guys Yeah, have. <laughs> Very cool. Well, if I could wave a magic wand and arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would it be?
1: Probably E.L. Cord.
0: Ah, okay.
1: Interesting. Um, cool. He was obviously a very smart man who came from nothing, ended up owning Auburn, and unfortunately, he was the... Uh, you know, the victim of the depression and perhaps a bit of his own flamboyance, he would be on the short list. Preston Tucker would be on the short list. Uh, Harley Earl. Oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. uh, and and Senior. Um, okay. I've met That's- I've met Junior. I I've been in his company, but I I bet his dad must have been a really wild individual. You know, just yeah. to, he was for, to design the crazy cars that he designed. What was going on in his head?
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, who knows? Who knows? Or what well. was he smoking?
1: One or the other. I'm not sure. But yeah. it was pretty interesting. So it's one of those yeah. guys, probably.
0: Wonderful dinner dates. Now, how about a book, Bill? Is there a book you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy reading?
1: Yes. It would not even, and there's not even a question for me. The author's name is Julie Fenster, F E N S T E R, and she wrote a novel, for lack of a better choice of words about the uh, uh, great race in 1908 from New York to Paris, and I can't off the top of my head remember the name of the book. Absolutely, whether you're into cars or not, it reads like a trash novel. So, you know, you just keep turning the page saying, "What? uh, this can't be happening or how is this happening? And you put it into perspective in 1908 when there were no roads and somebody had some wacky idea to drive a car from New York to Paris. And the fact that You know, five or six people actually did it because it just defies description. It's just an awesome, awesome story. And again, whether you're into cars or not, I've given the book many, many times as a gift. It's out of print. And so when I find, you know, five or six of them, I buy them and I give them to friends. And it is really perhaps the best, really one of the best. It is the best automotive story on the planet. And the way she wrote it, it is really terrific.
0: Well, I'll make sure we put a link to where you can uh, find the title of that book on the show notes. Yeah, the why it's escaping um,
1: me—it's the Great Race or the Race Around the World, or I mean, it has a a different, but it's the 1908 New York to Paris race, and it's Julie Fenster.
0: Julie Fenster. All right, we'll make sure put a link to that. You can probably go to a used bookstore or even uh, Amazon or eBay. You can find some great used books there. I'll put all these links. Yeah, on Bill's show notes page on the Cars, yeah, website. Just type Bill Rothermel, R-O-T-H-E-R-M-E-L on that page, and his page will pop right up. All right, Bill, we're up to the check and flag, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you any cool collector car today. Doesn't matter who owns it or where it is. I'm going to park it in your garage there, but there are some rules to my game that might make it a bit of a challenge. One is, you have to drive it, no garage queens. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with, so that little trick is off the table. And it's the only one collector car you can have parked in your garage. So be careful what you choose.
1: It's a 33 Chrysler Imperial, Victoria, bodied by Waterhouse. It was owned by a lady in uh, New Orleans. I met her at Hilton Head many years ago. She was a lovely lady, and she's debuting the car. And uh, her name will come to me. But the car was eggplant purple with a slightly off-shade eggplant on the belt line, eggplant leather, eggplant top. And the pinstripe on the belt line was kind of Granny Smith apple green. And you think, oh, man, that's bad. And then you see the car in person. Uh Her name was Ethel Leno. That's it. And she subsequently sold the car to John O'Quinn. In Texas. And then when O'Quinn, of course, died, RM sold all the cars. And I happened to be at Amelia Island when the car was sold, standing in the front of the room just to the side with a friend of mine. And the bidder for the car was next to me. And I didn't know it until sometime into the bidding. And the guy said, uh, uh, my friend and I, who who he knew how much I liked the car. And anyway, we convinced the guy to buy the car because he said, well, I have to sell the Duesenberg in order to buy this. And I said, well, sell the damn Duesenberg. You have to own this car. It's the best Chrysler on the planet. I love this car. And anyway, it just, I've always been smitten by the car. And the color combination I saw replicated on the DV32 Stutz, which had a waterhouse body. But um the Stutz never quite caught my fancy like the Chrysler did. So. That that's odd. That car has always kind of been special to me. And it's so it was sold to a collector in California. I never saw the man again. I don't know his name. And I've never seen the car reappear on a Concord field anywhere.
0: Wow. Hidden away in a garage. Well, that's a shame. Well, I'll go find that car for you. Sounds like a very special car. Uh, The rule here is if you're standing next to Bill at an auction, be careful. He'll talk you into buying something right. uh, that you have right. to sell something for. So uh, <laughs> that's a great story. I love it. Well, Bill, you've taken me on a great ride today. I want to thank you for joining us and sharing your journey. Would you offer us a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that 33 Chrysler?
1: Uh, just enjoy life to the fullest. It's great to live every day and and, and don't miss out on an opportunity. You know, say yes, Absolutely. do it, because you might not be here tomorrow, so joy life.
0: Absolutely. Well spoken. What's the best way for our listeners to follow along with you? Do you have a business website, or do you active on social media at all? Uh, I am on Facebook, and um, I have a, a, a website,
1: www.billrothermel.com, which is my business site, my real estate
0: business site. Okay, there. I'll make sure I put links to those on Bill's show notes page. By the way, make sure you join Bill and all the other great people at the inaugural Chattanooga Motor Car Festival that takes place October 11th, 12th, and 13th at the Weston Hotel and Chattanooga's West Village. And also, of course, the, the Las Vegas Concord, another great event that Bill will be attending. You can learn more, though, about Chattanooga at ChattanoogaMotorCar.com. Bill, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing your experiences with our listeners and for uh, not ranting in the wrong language here today. I appreciate (laughs) that. (laughs) Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you at the Chattanooga Motor Car Festival. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, Mark Green here from Cars Yeah. Did you know you can now see me on the CarsYa yeah! TV show, it's a weekly visit to some of my past CarsYa yeah! podcast guests, and I take you along for the ride. You go behind the garage door and into their lives, their businesses, and you get to see what makes them successful. With tens of millions of viewers, CarsYa yeah! TV is making its mark. CarsYa yeah! TV is available on MAV TV and Lucas Oil Racing TV. You'll find MAV TV on Direct TV, Fubo TV, FiOS by Verizon, or you can stream it through lucas oil racing television online and they said i only had a face for podcasting thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at cars yeah drive on over to cars to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun